welcome to the hills. I know I'm talking to a lot of people watching online around the world. And this weekend, I'm also talking to all of you at Southlake Campus and North Richland Hills Campus because I'm preaching live at the opening of our new West Fort Worth Campus. Something to celebrate made possible by the generosity of so many of you through our Courage campaign. And I cannot thank you enough. Now, I need to begin with a confession. Last week, my wife and I committed a major sin. We put up Christmas decorations before Thanksgiving. Now, I know there's a verse in Leviticus that says you're not supposed to do that. But Thanksgiving came so late this year. And I wanted more time to enjoy our decorations because there is no other season of the year where I love putting up all the extra things like at Christmas. And one of those things is a nativity scene. We have a nativity scene at our home like I'm sure many of you do. I love nativity scenes. I love the diversity of nativity scenes. They often reflect where you purchase them. For example, we got our nativity scene in Florida and it comes with palm trees. Uh, You can tell by the landscape or by the color of the skin often where a nativity scene was originated. But almost all nativity scenes have the same characters in common. Uh, You typically have a stable with some animals. Of course, you have baby Jesus and usually kneeling right beside him is Mary. Somewhere more in the background typically is Joseph. You have the three wise men. And by the way, do not email me and say the Bible never says there were three. I know that. Get over it. You have the three wise men. You have the shepherd and often an angel. Now, here's the thing. At no point in the actual Christmas story were all these people together. Uh, the wise men didn't come till sometime after Jesus was born. We don't know if there were any animals nearby or even if an angel was by the manger. But we put all these people in the nativity scene because they're all part of the story of the birth of Jesus. Well, here's what we're going to do for the next several weeks. We're going to add some extras to our nativity. Because there are some people who play a very important role in the story of the birth of Jesus that don't get the attention they deserve. So to launch into our first teaching, let me tell you a story about a boy who had to write a paper at his elementary school about childbirth. So he went to ask his mother about how he was born and she was a bit prudish and said, well, honey, the stork brought you. He said, well, how were you and daddy born? Well, the stork brought us too. How about grandma and grandpa? Well, the stork brought them too, the mother said as she began to squirm. So a few days later, his teacher was confused by the first sentence of his paper. This has been a very difficult assignment to complete as there has not been a natural childbirth in our family for three generations. Okay, the story of Jesus is obviously the story that begins with a very unnatural birth. But it doesn't just tell about one unnatural birth. We need to meet two very important characters in the story, and their names are Zechariah and Elizabeth. Now, we start reading about them in chapter 1 of Luke. And what they're going to do is they're going to help some of us this Christmas even 
have some extra faith. So open your Bibles. Oh, and by the way, I was in a bookstore the other day. Did you know the Bible is now in print? The Bible is now a book. How cool is that? Luke 1. Let's start in verse 5. In the time of King Herod of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they were both very old. So immediately, we learn three things about Zach and about Liz. The first thing we learn is that they are very good people. Luke says they lived life the way God wanted them to live, basing their obedience on the promises of a God who has not spoken to Israel for several hundred years. Wrap your mind around that. These people are living according to the word of a God who has been quiet for a long time. So they're very good people. It says they're very old people. Uh, A wild night for these two was Metamucil and watching reruns of Matlock, okay? Now, I realize only a small percentage of you got that line, but the ones that did, they're laughing right now. They're very good people. They're very old people. And to a degree, they're very sad people. Because in their culture, Few burdens were tougher or harder to bear than barrenness. It meant a lot more than just that they didn't have kids. It meant they had no one to leave their family inheritance to. It meant they had no one to take care of them when they were old. And it meant in the eyes of some that they must be under the judgment of God. Barrenness was often viewed as a curse. And yet the text is clear. There's nothing about the way that Zach and Liz have lived that would explain why their desperate prayers have not been answered. They're sad people, old people, good people. Because here's the thing, sad things do happen to good people. And yet what impresses me about Zach and Liz, they keep serving God. The God that they haven't heard from in several hundred years, the God who hasn't answered their personal prayers, they keep showing up at the temple. So before we read what's next, let me set a context. So way back in the days of David, he divided all the priests into divisions because there were too many for all of them to serve at the temple at the same time. So twice a year, it would be your division's turn and you would serve for one week. So it's about to be Zach's turn. And one of the things they would do was take incense and light it at the altar before the Lord. They had a lottery for this and Zach got chosen. Now this only happened once in life. So Zach is pumped. He is finally going to do something he's wanted to do all his life. It's been on his bucket list and he did not know what to expect, but he does expect one thing. Nobody else is going to be in the holy room. Well, you know what? 
God is full of surprises. So it says in verse 11, an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son and you are to call him John. And the angel went on to say some other very important things. That that this child was going to be full of the Holy Spirit even in the womb. And that this child was going to receive a very special assignment to prepare the people for the coming of the Messiah. Now think about it. After centuries of silence, God is about to make the most important redemptive move to date. And the very first person to hear about it. Zach. Now, how's he going to respond? Because this is so big. It has personal significance. They're going to be parents. It has national significance. Israel's Messiah is coming. Well, look at what it says he did. Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I am an old man and my wife is well along in years. Now, the angel is going, seriously? You need a sign? Dude, I am the sign. Be careful what you ask for. Angel says, oh, you need a sign? Okay. Well, if I'm not enough, I got a sign for you. Verse 19, the angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. Now, while all this is going on, people are outside the holy room praying and wondering what's taking so long. And so finally, Zach comes out and he starts playing charades like five words because he can't talk. And everybody is wondering what in the world is going on. Now, then Zach goes home and he makes Liz the happiest woman in the world for two reasons. Number one, because she gets pregnant. And number two, she got a husband who can't offer his opinion about anything for nine months. Now, think about it, ladies. You got a baby and you got a husband who keeps his mouth shut. I mean, Liz is living the dream. (laughs) But, But think about this. That perhaps his muteness was in fact assigned to Liz to bolster her confidence in the angel's revelation. Suppose Zach had just come home and said, Liz, I saw an angel and you're about to have a baby. She might have wondered, what have you been smoking besides incense, okay? Because here's the thing. For years, she poured out her heart to God. And she asked for one thing. And month after month after month, the answer came back. And her heart was broke. 
And don't think she didn't go through that for years and it not deplete her hope tank too. So, so here's what we learn about Zach and Liz that I really admire. That you can be faithful, yet not always be full of faith. Now here's the irony. Zach and Liz know well the story in the Old Testament about Abraham and Sarah. If you've never heard of that story, it's in the book of Genesis. And God says to this old man named Abraham, whose wife is barren, I'm going to give you a child. And through your family, I'm going to bless the nations of the world. This is how God is going to start the redemptive story. And they know that story. And they believe that story. They have stayed faithful all these years to God. And their faith is birthed in the promise of a birth to an old couple who were past the years of having a baby. But see, it was easier for them to believe in a God who could do for others in the past than it was to believe in what God could do for them in the present. And can't we relate to their struggle? Especially in those spaces and places where we're wrestling with the silence of God. And yet, they kept showing up at the temple. They kept living the way God wanted, even with their hurts and their doubts. You've all heard of Beethoven, the famous composer, and most of you probably know the last years of his life, he was deaf. But did you know the last 15 years of his life, even though he could not hear He kept composing. He kept writing music. He kept persisting in the silence. You see, like Zach and Liz, I want to be faithful. And like Zach and Liz, I'm not always full of faith. And so, like Zach and Liz... I need, you need, the message of Christmas. Especially for those spaces and places in our lives where we could use some extra faith. See, here's what extra faith does. First, it, for it believes that God will answer every prayer at the right time in the right way. Uh, There's a book in the Bible called Hebrews and a whole chapter about faith. And it defines faith this way. It says, faith is believing that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. That's what faith does. But what the Bible does not say is that God is Mac God and that he's going to bring your order to you right away exactly like you want it. And so you have to wrestle with believing that God exists and that God rewards people that seek him. But we all we don't always get exactly what we want exactly when we want it. And we often say, well, God just hasn't answered my prayer. Let me tell you, I do not believe in unanswered prayer. After all, no is an answer. Every parent understands this. Your kids whine, why don't you answer me? And you say, I did answer you. I told you 
No. Sometimes God says no. But often when we pray, we don't get a clear no. What we get is silence. And what we do is we interpret the silence as no, when in fact, it was not yet. Sometimes we give up on prayer before God does. And so in those silent seasons, we need to remember Zach and Liz, and we need to summon some extra faith to remember that while we think we know what we want, God knows what we need. I've always liked the story of the father that's walking down the hall past his little daughter's bedroom. And he sees her down on her knees by her bed with her hands folded like she's praying, but she's saying the alphabet. So he says, honey, what are you doing? And she says, I'm praying to God. It sounds like you're saying the alphabet. And she says, well, I didn't know what to ask for. So I thought I would just give God all the letters and he could do with it whatever he wants. And I love that. That we often don't exactly know how to pray. What to ask for. But the Bible says that God's Holy Spirit is our autocorrect in prayer. God's Holy Spirit takes our prayers and says to the Father, if they knew everything that we knew, this is how they would pray. Look at Romans 8 with me. The Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for. But the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying. For the Spirit pleads For us believers in harmony with God's own will. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God. And are called according to his purpose for them. You see our prayers don't paralyze the sovereignty of God. So we pray and the Holy Spirit takes our prayers and presents them to God in harmony with God's will. So that God works things out according to what is for our good. And for his glory. Now, I'm just not preaching abstractly here, folks. I have lived Zach and Liz's story. A lot of you know that Jamie and I struggled some years with infertility. And we did the shots and we did the drugs and we did the visits to the fertility specialist. And it was month after hard month Of having our deepest desires denied. And then we applied for adoption. And Michael and Morgan came into our lives. Blessings we could never have imagined. And we would never want to give back. God had an answer we didn't understand. And we didn't know. But it was for our good. And it was for his glory. And so don't interpret God's silence as God's absence. Keep showing up at the temple and keep praying like David in Psalm 143 verse 1. Hear my prayer, O Lord. Listen to my plea. Answer me because you are faithful and righteous. God is so faithful. Even when we're not full of faith, God is faithful. And God comes after people 
who were struggling to come after God. And people of extra faith know that. I'll tell you what else they know. That God still surprises us with the ways he demonstrates his faithfulness. See, the Christmas story is full of surprises. An angel just shows up after centuries of silence. In a culture that often dismissed the elderly, like our own, God starts the story with two old people. In a culture that was patriarchal and often pushed women to the side as irrelevant, God gives the two leading roles to women. See, Christmas reminds us God will not remain inside the boxes that we want to build for him. And it reminds us that God refuses to remain historic. Because his name is not I was. His name is I am. And the angel challenged Zach and Liz to have extra faith. That God can inspire us and God can show up in our lives. God can surprise us in the present just as he did in the past. In fact, what God wants to do in these stories in our Bible of the way he surprised others is give us motivation to believe that he can still inspire, appear, and surprise us. God wants to use somebody else's divine encounter to encourage you to pray and to believe that you can have one too. In fact, this is what happens in the Christmas story. So later in Luke 1, the same angel Gabriel shows up to Mary with another announcement of an amazing birth. And here's what the angel says. Now, Elizabeth, your relative is also pregnant with a son, though she's very old. Everyone thought she could not have a baby, but she's been pregnant for six months. God can do anything. That's what extra faith declares, that God can surprise us and demonstrate his faithfulness to us. See, it's easy to go through the motions of Christmas and keep all the implications of Christmas in the past. But Christmas speaks directly into our present silence and says, Emmanuel, God is with us, not was with us. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. And Christmas reminds us that God still enters our world, even into those spaces and places that have often drained our faith. And so I'm in my office one day, some years back, and Jamie shows up with little Michael and Morgan and a letter. And I start to read the letter. It was actually a poem, a couple of page poem that she had written. And at the end of the poem was the announcement. That my wife was pregnant. Now, you got to know that we had gone to the fertility specialist. And Jamie had had a, a surgery. 
And after the surgery, the doctor had said, in your present state, your chance of getting pregnant is one in a million. But Matthew was born. Matthew means gift of God. He was God's surprise because God can do anything. And here's the thing, a lot like Zach, God answered a prayer. I had stopped praying. And I learned there's often a lag time between what God is up to and my realization of what God is up to. And I learned something else. God is able to use and to bless and to surprise faithful people even when they are not always full of faith. Right now, some of you are wrestling with the silence of God. As we come to the end of another year, you look back and say, 2019 was tough. It was the year that you learned that the cancer had come back. It's another year of struggling to get pregnant. Of watching one of your children wrestle with a demon and all your prayers haven't seemed to change anything. Of saying goodbye to someone you really love. Sad things happen to good people. And I think that's why we need to add Zach and Liz to our nativity scene. They remind us that Christmas is the answer. When you wonder if your faithfulness has mattered. All those years of trying to live for God. All those years of trying to be the person God wants you to be. All those prayers you prayed. Christmas says, God saw. Even when you couldn't see God, God saw you. And your faithfulness mattered. And at the right time. And in the right way, God is going to reveal himself to you in the most wonderful way. So what do you do until then? You keep showing up at the temple. You keep following God. In the early days of World War II... Before America entered the conflict and Britain and Germany were in the throes of a great battle. The the British government printed posters to encourage resolve among the countrymen as the bombs from the Blitzkrieg would fall. Uh, The first poster said, your courage, your cheerfulness, your resolution will bring us victory. Later, another poster was printed, freedom is in peril, defend it with all your might. 
They printed over two million copies of another poster that they never put up. They were saving it for the most dire circumstance in case there was a German invasion. Six decades later, cleaning out an old warehouse, those posters were found. Here's what they said. Keep calm and carry on. I like that message. When it's hard, when you wonder if it's mattered, keep calm and carry on. Show up at the temple. Keep praying. Sad things happen to good people. But so do God's surprises. The Hebrew writer didn't say keep calm and carry on. What he said was, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. God is with you. And Christmas reminds us that God is faithful. And may that memory give you some extra faith this season. Let's pray together. And so God, in the powerful name of Jesus, I bring you this prayer. Knowing that even now your Holy Spirit is going to take this prayer, just like he takes all of our prayers and put them before you so that you can work out our good and your glory. So with that confidence, God, I pray right now. I pray blessings on our church. I pray blessings on people right now who are wrestling with silence. I pray blessings, God, especially on our older generation of saints in our church who have been so faithful, who have hung in there, even when it was hard, and even when their darkest and deepest prayers went unanswered. For all these, God, I say, show them your favor. Remind us, God, that you are with us. And prepare our hearts, God, for the way in which you want to reveal yourself to us when we least expect it. We don't want to miss what you are about to do next. So give us ears to hear and eyes to see what you are about, O oh God. And give us extra faith so that we will be there when the next miracle comes. And for all this, we pray, bringing honor to Jesus. Amen.